Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly. And I don't know if you consider it good, bad, or ugly, but it's been cold, cold, cold here in Alabama. And I cannot wait to see how that is affecting the fish. I know how it's affecting the deer hunters. They're loving it. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys that are our listeners that, that love to fish also love to hunt. So I'm sure you're excited about this cool weather. But let's get this started today with Joey 99. Joey, where you been fishing, man? Well, you know, I've been fishing uh, Logan Martin a good bit recently. And then um, I'm actually fishing Lay Lake. The, whole, the last four or five days I've been out on Lay because I'm actually practicing for the Bassmaster Open that's coming up there. So the Open's going to start tomorrow. And uh, that's going to be pretty awesome to get out there and be able to fish another professional tournament on the home lake. December is a good month to go fishing, too, even though, like you said, it's cold. That's a big tournament. I mean, you got some, you got the big guy, big guns coming in for that thing, but man, it's right here in your yeah. home lake. You got to feel good. You got to be excited about this. Yeah, I am. And you know, there's a lot of locals that are fishing in it. You know, part of fishing the Bassmaster Opens, you get all the, you know, a lot of the top pros and not all of them, but a, a good number of elite pros and MLF pros and FLW pros fish them or pro circuit pros. And so then you get your opens guys that are very competitive and have been doing it a long time. And then you get the local hammers that jump in it. So there's, I think there's like 40 locals that jumped in it, uh, 30 or 40 from out, like from this area that just, you know, fish the coos all the time, saw the opportunity and jumped on it. So. Heck yeah. I mean, you, you fish a lot on the coosa chain, obviously. And then you fish mm-hmm. a lot of tournaments as well. How do you prepare differently when it's on your home lake is compared to, I mean, you know, these lakes so good already and i mean when i can imagine when you go into a lake in another state uh, another area where maybe you're yeah. a little familiar with it it's probably a whole different approach that you take kind of what's yep. your mindset there yeah when you're going to a new lake you're just trying to grasp onto every pattern you can find and figure out you know just get a feel for what the fish are doing and if you can catch them shallow if you can catch them deep and a good area of the lake to focus on and try to get a game plan and i mean it's i'd say it's a little bit different on a home lake but not a ton different. One of my biggest things is just kind of eliminating water. Cause when you fish the entire lake, I really believe that in practice going to an area of the lake that you've caught them in before and not catching them, you know, it's always frustrating to not catch them, even if it's a practice that you want to catch them, but going and not catching them is almost as important as going and catching them just cause you've eliminated that portion of the lakes in your mind, unless you needed it, you know, unless you were really stinking it up. <laughs> right. But, it kind of, it helps. It helps to build an area, your focus on a certain portion of the lake and then go from there, breaking it down and picking it apart. Just seeing which end of the lake's fishing better. Cause on the Coosa, you've got your river section on the upper ends of all the Coosa river lakes. And then they open up into bigger, more open lakes with your creeks and pockets and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different options from the, the river to the bottom end. And you really, it's hard to fish it all in one day, unless you're really, really thoroughly on it, unless you're catching them every step of the way. Then sometimes that works. If you're getting bit on every single progression and every step, from one end to the next you can have a really big bag but that's hard to do when the weather is in the 20s in the morning and the uh you know warm and it warmed up to 50 something today which is not a bad deal uh that's pretty good to get the get it back up but what's amazing and one thing to learn about water temperatures and how they cool though is they really don't cool that fast i mean it'll take a good three or four or five days of lows in the 20s to and highs in the 50s to get the water where it's in that mid 40 degree range so this past weekend, it was like 61 degree water. And that kind of depends on what type of grass you have. Garmin's run a little colder and that's what I run. But uh, the Garmin's were showing like 58, 59 over the weekend. And now they're down to 54, 55. So 
the water temps cooled off in the last three or four days, but not drastically, you know, and water in the mid fifties is kind of perfect. It's kind of prime. I mean, they really, they really start eating and being opportunistic when there's water that's that cool. Well, that's a good point, you know, and, and a lot of times we, we forget that, uh, you know, just because we wake up, it's in the, in the twenties and, uh, how it affects <laughs> us fishing, uh, yeah. the water temperature hurt, doesn't change. They're <laughs> yeah. They're not hurting as bad as we <laughs> are. Yep. That's true. And they're, they're used to it and they just, they've lived through plenty of winters if they're the right ones you want to catch. So there's definitely fish biting right now. And, you know, you can get out there and catch them shallow and you can catch them deep. So it's kind of just picking which portion of either Logan or Lay or any of these lakes do you want to fish. So that's, that's kind of a fun opportunity. And that's one thing I love about the Tusa is you really can do that any time of year and still catch them so and still catch fish you you know i yeah. know that when you're on and i may be saying this wrong but I, I think that you know when you're fishing logan martin i know you're you're tar you know you catch a, there's a lot of spotted bass and and lay lake yeah. there's a lot of spots as well but when you're going into a tournament like this i mean you're you're probably more targeting the large mouth i would think or or, or am i wrong on that well, the spots are the consistent bite, in my opinion, and, you know, the water's getting colder, like I said, and largemouth are affected more by cold snaps. I mean, they still bite, but the, the cold weather can definitely affect the largemouth more. And so the spots, I really, I feel like spots are going to be the consistent bite. Like to win, you're going to have to get a couple of the right bites for largemouth. Some guys will fish for largemouth all day, and they could hear over zero doing that too, you know? Right. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try, I always like to try to catch some spots get my confidence up if you can catch 12 or 13 pounds of spots a day you're going to be right there in the in the hunt at least you know probably not leading it going into the final day but 13 plus a day i think will make will have a good shot of making the cut just based on what i've seen and the way lay's been fishing this year and how it's fishing right now so yeah so you go out there you you, you get your limit with your spots and and, and yep. get on the board and then you then you start yeah. getting those bigger fish and calling out yep that's right that's that's just the the way to do it, I, I believe. Now, that's some guys have a totally different mindset than me and are more mentally tough as far as just grinding for five bites. But for me, I just I like to go out there and get a solid bag in the boat and then go from there. Well, how's it been? I mean, are you are are you catching fish on lay right now? I know in Logan, I mean, that yeah, I, I saying you're always catching fish. Yeah, yeah, Logan, they're always biting, and it, it all depends on current right now. If they're running water, which they've been doing early in the morning, so you'd think like, oh, it's freezing cold early in the morning. I don't want to be out there but they're biting good early as far as the spots go on current stuff. So that's one of those factors where you've got to put that into your game plan. If you're going out for a day of fishing, like, okay, it's going to be cold, but if they're flowing water, fish are going to set up on shallow current breaks and shallow eddies and shallow bars that the current hits into really any perpendicular facing piece of land that sticks out into the river, into the current that where the current hits right into it, like T-bones, that's what you want to find. So mm -hmm. I've been catching fish on that kind of stuff. You can get bit on a chatterbait and then there's a new bait called a chatterbait willow vibe. that has been working really good. Uh, the half ounce jackhammer is always good, but the willow vibe is really a nasty little bait. It's got a willow vibe for a chatterbait blade, a uh, little willow shaped blade for a chatterbait blade. And the thing just vibrates. It's called a rapid vibration jig head. It's kind of crazy. And they're only five ninety nine for two of them, which is pretty cool. They're oh, wow. not horribly expensive. Yeah. And they just, I've caught thousands of them in the last year on it, it when it was a prototype and it's now it's out so it's available on the man website but that thing is just really really a great fish catching bait and then i love catching them on a jig um, any time of the year i love fishing a little cross-sized power finesse jig the little 3/8 z-man jig and that's just my confidence jig because you know i didn't used to throw a jig that much like a big bulky jig but 
throwing that little compact one with the little TRD bugs on the back that looks like a, a little miniature beaver style bait. That thing is just, it catches them so good. So I well, definitely keep that in my hand a lot too. And when it slows down, sometimes you just got to twitch that jig super slow and you can get bit by fish that wouldn't chase something and react to it so much. Right. Now, when on, on the chatterbait that you were talking about, what was the name of that bait again? It's called a uh, Z-Man Chatterbait Willow Vibe. Willow Vibe. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't yep. seen that one yet. The, they have a quarter and a three-eighths. The three-eighths is my favorite to throw on a bait caster, and you can throw that quarter on a spinning rod, and it's awesome. But it's a really good current bait for flushing baits in the current like you would flush a little swim bait or something. That thing is pretty nasty. How deep are you fishing this? Um, lately, where the fish have been, and when pretty typically when the current's moving but the water's a little cool, they're going to be anywhere from like three to eight feet, you know? That's kind of the typical depth. You're not normally going to catch them super, super shallow, but those little eddies and those little bit deeper, you know, backdrops that are in that maybe eight, four to 12 foot zone, that's kind of what I've been keying in on. So, and then stumps and things like that, offshore, anything that breaks the current really has got a chance of having a bass sitting on it. No, so they can sit there and they don't have to burn, you know, their metabolism's low when the water's cold and they can just sit there in that eddy and just slurp things that go by. They don't have to burn much energy and they can just sit there and be cozy and eat your jig when it flushes past them. <laughs> You know, when you're, when you're, when you're fishing this current, like, and I'm, and I'm very familiar with, with Lay and, and, and Logan Martin, mm-hmm. that's where I spend a lot of my time, but you know, when you're fishing this current, like you're talking about finding these eddies, do you concentrate more on the upper end of the lake where it's narrow and more like river where they're, the, the current's very obvious and, or, or is it the same where, I mean, lake comes down and gets pretty wide in some sections. Do you, are you yeah. still? you could still target some of those wider sections and if so how do you find the current there uh compared the key to like is really how the... much oh yeah sorry uh yeah the key is really how much current they're running and uh if they're running three turbines or full tur like it's six turbines out of lay and three coming in out of logan because logan pushes more water than lay but or can pull more water whatever you want to look at it but uh mm-hmm. yeah so if they're running like like full max turbines that's always a good time to fish the entire lake like it's a river because you're going to see current seams from top to bottom and it's almost too much up in the river sometimes and so the bottom middle the bottom part of the lake is really fires up now if it's different than that if they're only running one turbine or two turbines out of logan or whatever then normally the middle part of the lake to upper end is better so it just depends on how much water they're they're running okay and that goes for logan neely any of that and so if it's ripping it in my view that's why i get so excited when we get a huge rain and they're running floodgates it's because the entire lake turns into a river at that time, and there's eddies from top to bottom, and that's where the fish are all going to, or not all of them, but a lot of them are going to position. So that's the opportunity to really go hammer them is when it's set up like that. But when it's less current, you want I normally target the upper half. Right. Yep. When you're out there and you're finding these eddies and these points where these fish are setting up for current, is this more of something that you're looking for visually, like a visual point that's coming out? Or are you using your electronics and finding finding more of the points that are below the water surface? Or are you kind of starting out just looking at the, the bank and finding these points that jut out into the lake a little? I always start with mapping first, really. And, uh, you know, I've got good, good Garmin, like built-in Garmin maps on mine. And I can see everything really good. And I can see most of the breaks and most of the drops. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things, seeing those bars is the easiest on the map. But you you got to go check them visually and with your you know with your troll with your graph and that kind of stuff and idle over them and see how shallow they get because a lot of the time they'll be a little bit off as far as the depth on top of them and uh, so I I start with my mapping but you can also see a lot of visual seams like when there's a stump under the water 
three feet ahead of, you know, up ahead of you, you can see that thing, even if it's four or five, maybe three to five feet down, you'll still see a boil a lot of the time from that stump. Mm-hmm. That's one of those things you got to be using both. And then I use panoptics a lot too. I can see the drops and I can see the stump rows and I can see everything you need to see right before my eyes and I can make a perfect cast and flush it right over the high spot or the the top of the stump or whatever. And I can see my jig come over the stump and that's pretty cool too. It's kind of like cheating, but it's legal. So it's pretty amazing to watch it. Yeah. And that's the, the pan optics and kind of just for people that may not know about that, you're basically just explain it. I mean, you explain it better than I can. Yeah. Pan optics is a live, it's pretty much live forward facing sonar. And so it's showing the, you can see fish move on and swim and you can see your bait land and sink down and you can see everything out in front of you and wherever you point the arrow on your trolling motor is where that thing's going to shine pretty much like shining a flashlight out in the water. So that is it's, crazy. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. You just pan it around and see what you want to see. And it's not as easy as it sounds like it takes some getting used to, but once you get it out, then you can be pretty awesome with it. So I've had a lot of fun learning about it and it's caught a, it's put a lot of extra fish in my boat that I never would have seen before and never would have had a shot at like making that pinpoint cast every day, you know. So now what you're seeing on your screen, are you seeing like a, a, a digital look at, at what's ahead of you? Are you actually looking I mean, are you seeing like it's like a down imaging image? Okay, same thing as the down imaging. Yeah, so it's like down imaging. It's not like a camera picture, but yeah, you're not or like, you know, video, but it's yeah, mm-hmm. it's live sonar seeing the fish move and swim and it's like it would look like structure scan type down imaging type uh sonar picture so and you can change the color settings and all that just like you can with regular down imaging and side imaging and all that stuff too so that is really cool technology yeah it's pretty pretty outstanding technology for sure and you can actually see your bait hit and 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 land and go to the bottom yeah it's fascinating with like a jerk bait i had one yesterday at lay that I was throwing a jerk bait and I was twitching it and I saw a tree that stuck out off the bank. That was one of the underwater ones that I didn't know was there. And I twitched my jerk bait over it and I saw a blob come up off the tree and get right behind it. And I twitched it like three more times and she just came by and I was on the phone with a buddy with my <laughs> buddy, Brian Latimer. And I was like, Brian, I got one looking at it on Panoptics. He's like, Oh really? And I twitched it twice and that thing and another two times. And she just, boom, all of a sudden she started head shaking on it. And there was like a two and a half to three pound spot. And I was like, Oh man that is cool stuff like that it's really cool it tells you when to slow down when to speed up and you can see how they react to your bait if they're in a brush pile you bring something by the pile you can see if it pulls them out or if they just ignore it or whatever so it's a pretty wild tool for sure i'm gonna put it to use tomorrow there's no doubt in the bassmaster open so i'm hoping lay lake treats me well and there's also the largemouth bite too i mean people are catching them in the grass some and that's something that'll last throughout the winter as long as the water doesn't get down below like 52, you know? Right. So the grass bite can be good throwing a swim jig and flipping and throwing a chatterbait around and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And that's where you're more targeting the large mouth is in the grass up there instead of like yep. the, the more of the spots on the, on the, on the points. Yep. Right now. Catch a limit on the, of the spots when the current's running and then go try to have fun in the grass and catch a kicker. So in the next few weeks, that's really going to be the, the ticket, I think. Heck yeah, man. Well, how, how many, uh, how many people will be in this? Is it the tournament? It's like 170 something, uh, boaters and then 140 something co-anglers. So a lot of people out there, there will be 30 guys or so. I'm going through a tournament meeting, but, uh, yeah, they, they, uh, like 30 guys or so that aren't, that don't have co-anglers. So that'll be, that's kind of always a hope. I love co-anglers. I've made a lot of good friends that way, but it's always nice to be able to be in the boat by yourself and figure things out for yourself and, 
stay in your own mind and work through it, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, man, like we, weird fishermen do. We talk to ourselves on the water. Talk to yourself on the water. Yeah. All day oh. long, man. It's just Hope nobody's watching. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Not out loud. <laughs> yeah. Right. 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 Don't do it. Where anybody can see you out loud. Anyway, it's okay. Good, if you good, talk good, out loud yeah. to yourself, if nobody's watching, just yeah. make sure nobody's watching. Yeah. Good stuff, man. And I know you're still catching them up in Logan Martin as well. Yeah, and, so. But I mean, is it, is it like hot right now? Is Logan on right now? Yeah. Are they biting? Well, you know, I fished the tournament there on Saturday and I caught fish early. They were schooling on the shallow flat river point. And I caught him on a willow vibe early, and I caught some on an Alabama rig, and a lot of striper mixed in, though, and a lot of small bass. And then I went and uh, tried some, off, looked at some offshore stuff, some deeper current places, and some more summertime schools that they get on sometimes in the winter. And there was nothing on any of them, so I went and fished some shallow brush piles and started fishing shallow brush and pockets. And with the water being down three or four feet, you know, three to five feet all winter, a lot of those fish, you know, they either have they have a dock, or they have rock, or they have brush. That's kind of their options or current. So the brush piles out in front of those piers where a lot of largemouth will roam up in the shallow grass and around those docks in the summertime, they'll pull right out to that brush or in the fall more. They sit in the brush in the summer, go up to the docks and feed shallow on the seawalls and the docks and that kind of stuff in the fall. And then they, a lot of them will trickle back out as it gets cooler. So and sit out there on brush piles that have shad around them and that kind of thing. So I've been catching some doing that too. And I ended up catching all my fish I weighed in in the tournament last Saturday or the Black Friday tournament, actually. It was the day after Thanksgiving. And I, I caught all those fish in those brush piles is how I weighed in my... I had like 855 on three fish. So I had a three and 360 and another one that was like 260 and then a two and a quarter. Good. So, how'd, you, how'd you finish? Yeah. I finished third out of like 61 boats or 62 boats. That's good. It took 9.11 to win. So I was very close. And it had Nitro Rewards money too, which would have been five grand extra on top of the $1,000 one. So, oh, wow. That's all right. I just, you know, needed another bite. I got beat. I didn't, you know, I didn't go out and have a tough day. I had fun and caught a lot of fish and adjusted well and cold out all day long. And it just is what it is. You can't win them all for sure. So no, you not can't, even close. <laughs> no, you can't win them all. There's a lot of people out there fishing. That's for sure. A lot uh, of great anglers on the Kusa. A lot of good anglers. What, what will like a day like you had uh, in the Black Friday tournament? I mean, like this time of year right now, if somebody were – wanting to book a trip to come fish with you. I mean, what's a, a normal day? What's a good day for you as far as numbers? Conservatively right now, I would consider a you know, good day catching 30 fish or so. You know, that would be probably a six-hour day. And I, you could do a lot more than that if you get on the striper and you get on the, you know, the schooling fish and that kind of thing and current fish. And if we get a big rain, that can go up to 100 fish overnight. So we had wow. a big rain like a month ago i guess it's been now or close to that and we had some decent rain you know this last this past week but it really didn't get the current ripping that hard it just wasn't enough across the whole system from south to north about a month ago we had a really good it was that when the hurricane came through that this area and it it dumped so much rain on the kusa and the current was just rolling they were running full turbines and floodgates for three days and just ripping the water and we were catching over a hundred a day easy in like oh four to eight gosh. hours, you know, sometimes in four, one day in four hours, we had over a hundred fish being a young kid and his dad. So wow. it was just pretty wild. And those were all on a willow vibe. Almost every one of those. Dad I mean, you up in there and catch them, but they were just smoking that willow vibe, just slow rolling it. So it was, it was pretty awesome. That was, that was a great scenario. And that happens a couple of times every winter and spring. So it's one of those things you just look forward to when it happens and always hope you get a good burst of rain every once in a while. 
Man, what a what a fun day. Well, if somebody yeah. wants to come jump in the boat with you, I know you got to go, and I appreciate your time. Absolutely. If somebody wants to come fish with you and book a trip, it sounds like a great time to do it. Yep. Catching a lot of fish. So, so what do they need to do to contact you? Yeah, just dress warm, of course. But, uh, yeah, if you want to reach out to me, you can email me on my Joey Fishing website uh, through the website. And uh, my email is on there. I've got, like, a contact request form, and it's joeyfishing.com. So www.joeyfishing.com. Well, they man, can reach me on there and shoot me an email, and we can go from there. But I'd love to let's take them out. Like I said, just layer up. The more layers, the merrier. That's for absolutely, sure. man. I need to layer up and come <laughs> and come book a trip with you myself. That would be that'd be <laughs> awesome. good. Well, man, good yeah, luck this uh, good luck tomorrow and this weekend. And Thanks. and man, I know you're going to do well in it. But uh, wish you the best of luck on that. Stay safe on the water, brother. I appreciate it. Have a good one. All right, Joey. Thank you, man. That's an awesome report. We wish Joey the best of luck on the tournament this weekend. Uh, I know he'll do well, man. That guy, he catches fish. He catches them. I mean, Logan Martin, Lay Lake, either one. That's his. That's his stomping ground. And and I don't think anybody catches more fish on that than he does. So I'm, I'm sure he's excited about the tournament this weekend. And I know he'll do well. But let's leave some largemouth real quick and let's go talk about some stripe fishing with michael walker what's going on michael not much not much bearing this uh getting through this cold weather man i'm gonna tell you what we had a little we had a little uh had a little cool snap come through to say the least that's for sure yeah thank goodness uh the wind died down it made it a little bit more uh a little bit better the we kind of switched to afternoon trips during the coldest days but uh we're back to mornings tomorrow so do you see a big difference in the numbers or the quality of the fish from a morning trip to an evening trip this time of year? I mean, not necessarily. I mean, the you know, for, for us, they're still feeding two times a day right now. And typically, you know, away from the moon, it's morning and evening. So uh, that's not really going to hurt us uh, too bad, the moon cycle play in, you know. And as it gets colder, they'll dial down to so feeding once a day and then then the morning or afternoon and being out there at the right time is real important oh yeah you're still fishing smith lake right yes sir uh i we just started pulling big baits uh over the last couple of days our fish are finally kind of got in position where they're wanting to come up a little more uh they stayed deeper this year uh, a little bit longer i guess it was november hurricanes and mountain weather that kind of helped out with that but uh we finally got them in position where we can kind of target the bigger fish well, tell me how big a fish we catching. Uh, right now, 30, 35s. Hadn't hit too many 40s. Expect to hit a couple 40s over the next two weeks. So we're just now really getting our groups where they're really loading in. We're using anywhere between 10-inch to 20-inch baits. And, you know, basically a little under a pound to a pound and a half to two. Uh, really trying to target the bigger fish in the lake. Good gracious. Where do you get? I mean, how do you... Where do you get one and a half, two pound bait? That is the tricky part. And my boat has six cast nets on it. Everything from tape nets to non-tape nets, pound and a half per foot to three fourths per foot. Different areas are holding different bait during the time of year. Smith Lake has uh, red horse suckers. It has big gizzard chad. So those are kind of the options. The herring. They're going to top out right now. The bigger ones we've seen are about 11 inches. Um, the 11-inch herring are extremely hard to catch right now. But the 11-inch herring, while it's 11 inches, it is thin. It's uh, slender. 
and won't draw the same strike from the biggest fish. Not to say the biggest fish won't eat one, but we can't shut out eight pound bass will eat an 11 inch herring. Uh, a 12 pound strike can eat an 11 inch herring, but a 12 pound strike bass can't eat a two pound red horse. Uh, a 20 pound uh, strike bass can't eat a shad that looks like a license plate. It's too yeah. tall, you know? So we really try to outclass a certain amount of fish uh, with our bait to make sure we're kind of getting the bigger fish out of the groups. Now, did you say red horse? Yes. What is uh, it? It's a sucker fish. You know, there's golden suckers, red horse suckers. There's a lot of suckers. Uh, back before uh, all the rules changed, Henry Neely was one of the main places you could go get red horse suckers. Um, we, we used to go below the dam and we uh, drop net. We wouldn't even have to throw our net, really. We could just hold it open, drop it off the catwalk, and catch hundreds of them. Uh, but now with the new bait laws and the non-transport rules and places where you got to just catch your bait on the lake, uh, there is a very limited amount of time you can get them on Smith Lake. There's not as many of them. So it's a lot more work for those kind of baits now. Golly. Now, when you, you catch the, this live bait with your cast net, how do you keep them alive? I mean, are you just putting I mean, them, I, do you have something special that keeps them alive a little I mean, longer? We've, we've got 100 gallon bait tanks that are custom made with filter boxes and venturi pump, uh, air, air pumps on, on pumps. And uh, basically, they recirculate. You know, you fix your water with some dechlorinator salt and uh, add your bait and you check your ammonia level if you haven't to keep them for a long, long time, like a couple of days. You need to do some water change out. Even with a top quality tank, uh, you've got fresh bait, and so they're going to release ammonia. Uh, but yeah, uh, $1,400. <laughs> Good <laughs> gracious. But you can keep them alive, I mean, literally a couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not hard. Uh, a lot of people overcomplicate keeping bait. Salt's real important, having the right amount of salt in your water. I know we're talking about freshwater fish, but salt's real important. I use a cup every 10 gallons so i'm using 10 cups of salt in a 100 gallon tank at the most and then if you want to just basically worry about scale loss and trying to get them to clean their system out so they don't keep producing ammonia uh if you were to keep your bait you'd want to kind of basically clean it out just like at a crawfish you throw salt in the water and it cleans the crawfish out you want to go ahead and get them empty so uh they won't dirty up your water as quick Wow, that is good stuff, man. But that's, I, I, I'm just sitting here trying to imagine. I mean, two pound bait, I'm wanting to set the hook and just reel him in. Um, clients joke with us all the time. They're like, if we don't get anything, we can just reel in the bait. And I mean, that is true. It's a big bait. But, you know, the fish we're going after can eat, uh, they could eat, they could eat a 28-inch bait lengthwise. You're just going to, you can't get too big around. The, the taller, the wider, um, there is a shape for their mouth. So the actual size of the bait only matters on the shape of it. You know, I, I think, you know, we, we put some real long torpedo style baits and longer than 20 inches and they have no problem getting hit. But we put some real too tall baits out there that are just too tall for them to get their mouth on. And they have to work too hard for it you can kind of outclass even some of the better fish. They, they might not want to give you that effort. They might give you one lazy roll on the bait. And if it's 
basically a little too big or a little too wide, then they might hit it and then they might forget it. They might back um, off. So, yeah. Man, that is really cool. That is really cool. It, so you're catching obviously some really good fish right now. I mean, are you catching the numbers? No, that, that's we 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 do that all summer and the first of all, and then we switch over from now. It's big fish, big fish only. You know, your best trips probably landing six or seven fish over twenty five pounds. Your average trip landing depending on clients depending on luck of the day how many pull off what i mean like just everything involved three to four and then you know you're at uh, slower trips two to three we're going to get 10 to 12 bites from bigger fish now how many of those bites do we hook how many of those bites are pulled hooks or angler area or bad luck bad hooks that you know in the roof of their mouth where they can skin pull it kind of just varies from day to day what you're going to really get we're going to get some bites we're definitely going to have our opportunity it's just what happens with that opportunity man i'm going to tell you though to catch three to six fish over 30 pounds or in that range that's unbelievable i mean that's still that'd be fun that's impressive it's as good as we've got lake martin uh had a lot of fish kills and uh, it was one of our bigger trophy lakes, you know, 10 years ago. And a lake below it called Middle Pond was right there with it. They were probably the two top treasure lakes. Um, but three fish kills in seven years has really totaled those lakes on quality sized fish. Smith Lakes had one fish kill in the past 10 years. And it's done at a certain class, but we still have a lot of classes. And we don't get a lot of pressure. It's a real spread out lake, and so and the bait source on the lake is incredible. So, you know, one every ten years, or one, you know, the one before that was even something like one every ten. It's about one every ten years. So, we just don't get affected like the shallower lakes, or you know, Lake Martin has to run a lot of water in the summertime, especially at the end of summertime, uh, producing power. Smith Lake generating power but it's not on the same level and uh lake martin has 17 spill gates first two spill gates so when you have to dump a lot of water your fish can get affected at certain times and uh so we've, we've been able to hold on and uh yeah that's that's what we've got right now we've got a lot of quality fish and uh ready to be caught well what causes you you know like the dollars at lake martin what causes that just in the summer, bad setup. At the end of summer, you're low on your dissolved oxygen throughout the lake is getting worse and worse in every section. Um, so you're going to have congregations of your fish down in the lower end, especially the striped bass trying to hang on in the last good water. When we get those immense fall rains right at the end of summer, talking about September, late September and October, where you're still hot, the water hasn't cooled yet. When we get those heavy rains, Lake Martin has to dump it. And so they're going to start letting go of their water. And if you get the right setup, you get a four-inch rain one day, and then three days later you're getting a two, and then the next day you're getting another two, they're going to have to let it roll. And when they let it roll, they're going to pull out the last little bit of uh, basically oxygenated water in that lower end. 
and uh, you can just count it from biggest to the smallest is how they die. So anytime you have bad water and you have a fish kill, you lose your top end first. Hmm. So, you know, seven years ago, that lake had its fish kill that, I mean, you can ask locals. You could walk for a quarter mile almost on water on 30 pounders or better. Good. And, they were, and, and most of the fish that die don't come up top. They stay down. So to see an immense amount of fish, just thousands and thousands of quality fish up top, uh, you knew that that was just the tip of the iceberg. That really below it is five to ten times more of those fish underneath it. So, and then basically, if you get one every couple of years, you're not really giving that time. You're not getting time for those fish to grow. Yeah, because I mean, how long does it take for a fish to get thirty pounds of striped bass? I mean, thirty pounds. You're probably in Alabama. You're probably getting close to ten years. Um, might, might even drift off. Maybe eleven, might be nine, depending on how they're eating. The first part is pretty quick. They can actually put on anywhere to four to five pounds in the ideal water uh, per year. But once you get to that fifth year, fourth year, it's dropping down to about three every next couple of years, and then it really slows down after they hit about eight. You're just kind of gaining as they go. Slower. So it takes it take when you do have a fish kill. It takes some time. Come I mean, to get the quality fish back, you know, to get that upper class of 40 pounders, it's 17 years, 16 years. Yeah, it's a minute. And then if you have ones in between, it doesn't happen. You just keep losing them as they go. Not to say that Lake Martin still has a handful of 20 pound fish or better, but you're talking needle in a haystack. You're talking a handful versus being able to go out there and say, I'm taking big bait and we're going to catch one. If you go to Lake Martin, you're going to take a lot of small bait and you'll put out a big bait or two just on chance. You're going to get, get around that right fish, but you can't, you, you're not going to be able to make a living on big fish. Yeah. We've got a We've got a caller from Lake Martin. That's a striped guy. They're catching a lot of fish right now as well. I mean, you, they're catching some good numbers, but that's what they're targeting is numbers. And they're catching, you know, eight to, to 12, 15 pound fish, which is still, I mean, that's a big fish. I mean, a 15 pound fish is still big. This is Alabama, but, uh, you know, fresh water, you know, and, and he'll talk about how, you know, sometimes they'll get, you know, the 20, you know, occasional 20 plus but it sounds it, it's not like what you talk about at Smith Lake. I mean, you guys, the numbers may be the same. I mean, you you know you you make catch just as many fish at Smith as Martin, but you're definitely catching some bigger fish. It sounds like at Smith. Oh yeah, I just mean, explained really well why. Yeah, I mean, if we if we were to just stop chasing big fish right now, we could easily catch eight to twenty fish a day in that ten to eighteen pound range. Mm-hmm. But we're really shutting that down to go after the 25 through 40-pound class. Because that's um, what most of your clients, I mean, I would think they're booking a trip with you because they want to catch up big fish. I always tell people I'm, I'm, I'm a decent numbers guide. I'm a decent, you know, just putting fish in the boat guide. But what we do is catch big fish. We, that's all we built our business on. I mean, we spend more time than any guide service period. Um, striped bass for big baits with big baits we've dedicated what we do to catching big fish because it's one of my passions so that's what we do and that's what i look forward to this time and 
uh, the year more than any. It's it's four months of Christmas for me. I get to pull the biggest baits I can to try to catch the biggest fish in the lake and get paid for it. And get paid for it. There you go. And how um, how deep are the fish? Our fish in the daytime are out over 40, 50 feet still, um, but they are coming up to humps and flats, and they're feeding higher in the water column. They're feeding as high as the surface. Um, but, you know, they might be in 25 to 40 foot of water, um, but there's still a lot of fish over main main uh, main channel. And, you know, right now the areas of our main channel that they're in is 150 foot water treetops are kind of on the average about 40 or 50 and they're riding right around the treetops right now. The bigger fish, they're coming up to certain areas on the lake when it's time to feed. And that's when our opportunity to catch them for this moment is. Over the next week or two, they'll really shallow up. And uh, we'll have till it gets too cold, if it does. And if it doesn't get real cold this winter, we'll go all the way through March full speed. Man, that is awesome. That that is a deep man. You're talking 150 foot deep, and you know a flooded forest. That's just crazy to think about, isn't it? Oh yeah, I mean, I used to bass fish, but I I, I mean, you, you really have to change tactics up on Smith. Hey, you know when you look at how it's all set up, there's so much of it that you're blocked out of on a normal lake. You don't have to deal with so. I, I give it to anybody that bass fishes up there all the time. Uh, it, it definitely ain't easy to keep up with them. No, absolutely. But they, but the bass fishing is getting better and better every year up there at St. Blake, man. It is. The heron is. has it made is. a big difference up there with the quality fish they're catching. It was an embarrassment of a lake 10 years ago. Uh, bass tournaments wouldn't even step foot on it, and if they did, they didn't want to. Uh, it was almost impossible to get some of the late series. You get them maybe every three to four years. Where now they're coming at least every year or every other year or twice a year. Uh, you're getting people to finally come. Uh, it went from catching 100 fish under 12 inches to catching spotted bass that are in wolf packs with three to five pounders all in a lot of places. It's getting better. The herring have definitely helped and uh, definitely have turned around the lake and, and the size of fish that we're getting. That's awesome, man. Well, if somebody wants to come jump in the boat with you, it sounds like the time of year to come. And how do they need to get in touch with you, Michael? They can give us a call at 205-503-2020. Or they can check out our website, fishing247.com. Man, that's awesome, buddy. Well, we appreciate you. Thank you for your report. And, uh, man, let's get together sometime and go 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 hook one. Sounds good. Just holler at me. All right, buddy. Take care. We appreciate you. All right, have a go. Man, that is awesome. Uh, I love talking to Michael about these big stripes up there. It's just something that that, uh, that I've never done and, and something that I really want to do, especially to – I can't imagine hooking – you know, fishing with bait that size and then hooking into the quality fish like that. I mean, that's something that normally is reserved for the, the deep-sea fishing guys to catch 30, 35, 40-pound fish. But we got it right here in Alabama – and that's cool. But uh, so thank you for that report, Michael. All right, guys. Well, another great stripe report. Well, let's let's talk about some largemouth. That's what we all love to hear about, too. And we especially love to hear about it up in Gunnersville. So let's bounce up there with Chris Jackson. Captain Chris, how you doing, brother? Pretty good. Doing pretty good. And you, you battling the cold weather? Oh, man. I tell you, this last week has been we had a cold front blast on in. Uh, Sunday and it's it's stayed here it hadn't left I don't know 
wow, we tried to run it back up north, but it still won't, it won't stay up there. Yeah. It just hung to us down here a little bit. Yeah, I know. It's, it's crazy. Did y'all get some snow? Uh, we got flurries day before yesterday, but it wasn't horrible. You know, nothing stuck or nothing like that. Ground wasn't cold enough, but it did flurry, which, you know, people in Alabama, we, Oh, we, we, we love to freak, freak out, out when we see that, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, dang, I only have two loaves of bread and a gallon of milk. <laughs> what am I going to do? <laughs> Mad dash for toilet paper. We'll have another buyout in the south of toilet paper on the shelves. Oh, that that's that's been going on for months. That hadn't stopped yet. It's, uh-uh. I, I almost want to I almost want to buy a truck of toilet paper and sell it for $50 a pack. That's right. Just sit on the side of the road with it. People are yep. doing that with firewood. We'll just pull up next to them with toilet paper. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, man, how's it? How's the fishing been? How's this cooler weather affecting the fishing? Um, it actually has caused a little uh, the shad to start dying some, and it's caused a feeding frenzy. They they're eating pretty solid. They're starting to school up uh, real solid on Gunnersville. The topwater bite, oddly enough, we caught them most of the day yesterday on topwater. And then um, at Smith, we did the same thing. It's especially in clearer water, they're coming up to the surface because the sun's penetrating and it's warming the, the surface of the water up. So the shad actually are moving up top and the bass are just following them right up. Oh, man, that's a fun way to fish, too. Oh, yeah, I love it. The uh, man, And then, of course, you know, when they go down, uh, we're catching them pretty good on, on jerkbait. So the jerkbait bite's getting more and more solid. Um, it was hit and miss last week but this week's gotten a lot better how deep are you fishing a jerk bait um i'm only fishing i'm fishing the, like a shallow to medium runner it's only runs four to six feet um especially you know at gunnersville especially just across top of the grass um trying to get it right at the top edge of the grass and just kind of twitch it through it gunnersville you're having to work it super duper duper slow um when they're not active and that that'll trigger the bite just let it sit there in their face for six to ten seconds almost uh, which is a typical winter gunnersville bite. That's a long time. I mean, you know, when you think about it, when you're doing that all day, that's, you got to really be intentional on how fast oh, you're working is. that bait. It is, and it's, and that is, that is probably the number one biggest key is making sure that that you don't work it too fast. Because if you work it too fast, they won't touch it. Um, they, they're really not chasing bait unless they get active chasing it up on the surface. So when they're down there, they're more stagnant when they're laying down in that grass. And and they're starting to get more in those deeper drops and fall more into that good winter pattern, um, where you know you got shallow water, but you you know with red clay banks on it, but it drops down into 10, 15, 18 feet of water, real real close to it, you know within within 50 feet or so. Mm-hmm. And targeting those pockets has has been key. And the one you're targeting those, I mean, so you're going from top water and then you, and you go to the jerk baits when you get out there in that 15 foot of water, uh, are you changing your lure? Well, I mean, what are you going to there? Are you still fishing a jerk bait? Um, yeah, generally what I'll do is I'll keep a top water bait rigged up, sitting on the deck and I'll have a jerk bait tied on that, uh, the duo realist 120 in that Amart shimmer color is, has been my key. And I'll, I'll leave it tied on, and I'll throw a spin bait 80. I'll leave it tied on, sitting on the deck on a spinning rod, and I'll start out and say 18 feet of water, sit in the boat in, in the center of those those pockets that are that have those deeper drops on them, and I'll throw at the bank, and I'll work the top water bait or the jerk bait through the grass out towards the deeper water, 
and work it real slow. And then if you see the fish starting to come up and get active, then I'll just put that rod down and pick up the top water and throw it. So I'm basically fishing both baits all day long. Oh, man. That's good. That's good. That's good information. Are you catching a lot of fish right now? Um, Gunnersville's hit and miss number-wise. One day you can catch 25, 30. One day you'll catch seven, uh, seven or eight. You know, Smith's numbers are, are, are better. They're in the anywhere between 30 and 50 a day. Uh, and they're all spotted bass. But but there you can catch you can fish eight hours and catch thirty fish and you and have those thirty fish in the eight hour time frame, you know you could catch fifteen in twenty minutes. Um, that's that's kind of the way it goes. So it's I would say the numbers are good, but you do have to be patient. the The patience is the biggest thing. Yeah, and so the fish at Gunnersville in particularly they're 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 starting to school up in the winter time pattern. It, will it get will the fishing get more consistent and and the numbers pick up when they move out uh and start schooling up a little bit more or or yeah kinda... it should be more it, it's going to be more consistent as far as, as the pattern is concerned um you know where, where it won't be so hit and miss on areas but it, it you know numbers will, will stabilize where you know you're catching 15 20 fish a day and they're all decent size fish. They're starting to school by size a little bit better now. So you're not going to catch, you know, a, a, a three-pounder and a seven-pounder in the same old spot. You know, generally, if you catch five-pounders, you're going to catch five-pounders there. Um, you know, we found one spot yesterday that, that was pretty solid That in one spot two days ago when the, the cold front actually really kicked in and hit. And we had one area that we probably caught 32 pounds for our best five. And we probably caught 18 oh, fish good and gracious. every one of them were every one of them were cookie cutters they were all every single one of them were you know five to six six and a half pounds a piece man now that's fun yeah, it, it was it was it was fun I, I stood there i had a husband and wife client and and i, I just stood there and, and they were like why aren't you fishing i said i don't have to fish i'm watching you catching them and i'm too busy taking them taking pictures yeah uh, so absolutely I, so i basically i sat up there and watched them catch them and it was it was a ball but they earned it because it took them about three hours to get that first bite but when they got that first bite it was just wide open for 30 minutes dang that's a lot of weight man and, and but they did learn you know that that the patience was the the main goal because the area we were in six other boats had went through that general area in 15 20 minutes little intervals and they were like you know those guys are leaving what, what do you think you think we should stay i'm like i'm telling you if you'll stay here you'll catch them you just got to be here when they're here and they're here you just got to make them bite and they're just fishing too fast and when they started you know i finally got them slowing that jerk bait down uh that's that's the hardest part especially because they're from up north and up north you know when you're fishing a jerk bait it's it's a constant move constant motion through the water where a lot of lakes down south you throw it out, pull it down to your desired depth and sit there and hold it and count to 10, twitch it one time and reel the slack up and count to 10 again. And that's hard you have to fish that. Yeah. It's very difficult to do. And until you've done it and get the confidence of getting bit doing it, it's very hard. Once you've gotten bit doing it once or twice, then it's really easy to stand there and count because you know, it's coming. Cause you know, it's coming. Um, right. Right. Exactly. But you got to have that, that confidence that's that's the biggest thing 
is given, you know, that's been for me is giving clients the confidence. Once they see that it's actually working, then then they'll stand there all day with their rod in their hand and twitch at one time, it, you know, and I don't have to keep going, slow down, slow down. So, it's, you know, once you get that confidence built, though, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like it, man. Well, now move over to Smith, and I know you've been fishing both lakes, and you talked about that a little bit, but you're fishing, I mean, you're fishing totally different there probably, right? To a point, uh, I'm catching a, I'm catching a pretty good bit of fish on a crankbait, but the majority of my better fish are coming off of that jerkbait and, and coming off of the, uh, the spinbait 80, and I'm fishing it super deep. Oh, when those fish go way down, especially early, because of the the water temperature is more stable. It doesn't go up and down on that lake as much in deeper water. So, you know, we'll pull off those big rock bluffs and throw that spin bait eighty parallel to the uh, to the bluff and count it down to say fifty and slow roll it. And when you're slow rolling that that bait through that fifty fifty five foot of water, that's when they're getting bit. Golly. 50, 55 foot. Yeah, and I, I freaked my clients out today because uh, we were fishing uh, 62 feet of water is where we saw the fish. So I had him let the bait go down to 60 feet, and he was he was barely moving it, you know, because that's the number one key is on that bait is if you think you're fishing it too slow, you need to still slow down. And um, he was barely turning the handle, and he caught one or two fish and I was like, I know you can catch more fish here. They're here. I'm looking at them. So I pulled out another spinning rod and I said, throw this one with the exact same bait on it. And he's like, what's the difference? I said, I'll tell you when you catch a fish. Yeah. And next thing you know, he caught seven back to back cast. And he's like, okay, what's the difference? And I said, I just went from 10 pound line to six pound. And he said, what? And I said, that reel has six pound line on it. The one you're fishing has 10. I adjusted the line diameter and it put the bait down just a little bit more and it, it caused more bites. It triggered a lot more bites. Man, that's amazing that something that, you know, just, just making that slight change made that big of a difference it, that quick. Yeah. I tell you, it's, uh, you know, the, basically my boss at, at duo is, is a huge R and D guy. He helped design the, the spin bait and I basically came up with spy baiting. And I've been able to fish with him and a couple of guys from Japan that have proven to me that line diameter makes a gigantic difference, especially when fish get finicky. So I've actually seen him catch fish on two and a half pound line on fluorocarbon where, you know, I haven't done that yet. I've done it by accident crappie fishing, but I've never done it on purpose. I have went to four and four pound. I have seen four pound make a difference um, going from six to four pound. And it changes what it does when you look at it in a tank. It actually changes the action of the bait because um, there's less drag in the front of the in front of the bait when it's coming through the water off of the line, um, and it out you know changes the depth. It changes the angle that the bait comes through the water at. So you know, and you have to work it slower because that lighter diameter actually will cut through the water faster, and it's it's minute faster, but it's fast enough that it actually changes the dynamics of the bait as it's coming through the water. Wintertime is the time of year to be very technical, especially in the South. So talk to me about that bait a little bit, because I'm uh, the split, what, what was it, the spin bait 80? 
Yeah, the Spinbait 80, they have an 80. Um, we They actually have just come out with an, uh, the 72 Alpha, which is uh, basically a short version of the Spinbait 80. It's shorter and fatter to kind of match the hatch kind of size, depending so you can adjust. It's not as long and slender as the Spinbait 80. But the, um, the 80s, it, it looks a lot like, it, when I'm working shows, people go, oh, yeah, I used to throw those years ago. And I was like, it's not a devil horse because it looks a lot like a devil horse. It has a little that, small prop on the front and the back. That's what I was just fixing to ask you. Explain this bait. It has so, two props, in the, in it, one on the front, one on the back. And it has it mimics a shad just swimming. It doesn't have any vibration, really, that, that you can feel in the rod tip at all. It travels through the water you know perpendicular so it, it's coming at a constant angle and when it falls it actually shimmers a little bit it weighs three-eighths of an ounce a lot of people don't realize how heavy it is and when you throw it out it actually falls flat it doesn't dive like nose down or tail down it it falls flat just like you when you pull it out of the box and then once it gets down there you just barely turn the reel handle and just a touch of water coming across those props on the front and the back will give a little bit of shine to it. And it causes a vibration in the water, but it's not mimicking a shad running or it's not mimicking a shad dying. It's mimicking the shad just swimming. Just swimming. You know, ho-humming. Yeah, just ho-humming through the water, not paying attention, and just looks like easy, an easy meal. Very cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big deal. I put... I've, I've got several things on my on my Facebook page that, that talks about how to work the bait and things, and it's got some good videos on it of the bait actually in the water, so people can look at it. Um, and Duo has quite extensively put a lot of videos out that has you know how to work the bait and and what it looks like in the water. And if you look at it in a pool, it makes a lot more sense, so you know what it's doing because you don't get any feedback when you're fishing the bait in the lake. And unless you get bit and the bites go from, they can either be a slamming vicious hit to all of a sudden your lines just start swimming sideways and the fish has it choked and you never feel it. That's very, um, very interesting and, and, and a cool sounding bait that you're not, it's, it's really not a not. bait that you're jerking and having to put motion in. I mean, you're literally, you're counting down the depth that you want to go uh and then you're just slow rolling that sucker basically yeah you're just dragging it um the the best way to describe it is you're dragging it through the water I, you know and I, I tell people uh, that's another one of the things it's like the jerk bait it's a confidence bait once you catch fish on it you'll have one tied on a rod every time you go to the water doesn't matter if it's january or july because uh, it will trigger fish to bite and triggers a lot of fish that don't want to bite just because it looks like such an easy meal. Um, and it's, and it's being fished slow. So that, you know, and the slower you fish it, the better it is. And it, and it will stay buoyant in the water. So it will hold that depth and you can throw it a long way. So especially on the light tackle, four, six, eight, 10 pound test, you know, you can make 150 foot plus cast with it with the right rod so if you drive over with your electronics you see fish say suspended in 50 feet of water you pull out to where you can cast past that school of fish 
count it down to where it needs to go and then bring it through that foot of that depth before it starts to raise up to come back up to your rod tip. Dang. That's good stuff, man. That's good it's, stuff. It's a lot of fun. Once you do it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, we've, we've actually been experimenting with it here. It's even last year before the classic, uh, we, we caught trout on it. I mean, it's, it's not even a, a species specific type bait. Uh, we've caught trout on them. We've caught, uh, walleye and pike caught a lot of northern pike when i was in over the summer months when i was up north we caught a lot of northern pike on it <laughs> i lost quite a few of them that way but uh but it i mean it really does work that's cool man i'm gonna have to check out your facebook page and uh in some of the videos i want to see that that's uh yeah, it's, that's... It, it's cool I, I i usually try to share any of the duo stuff that they you know david puts a lot of really good vital information on fishing that bait on online a lot um so i i try to share it as much as i can because once you see it in the water it makes a big difference on how you fish and and you get the confidence to go out there and throw it until you get bit once you're bit then then you'll throw it all the time it's just, just like the jerk bait bite you know once you sit there and wait for 10 seconds for one to bite and pull it one time you know and, and you're bumping it like six inches you know, it, it takes a long time for a cast to come back, but once you get bit doing it a couple of times, then you've got the confidence to keep fishing it and, and stay patient. And that's, yeah. that's the main, main key. And I can imagine for somebody like myself, this ADD, it, it, I would probably be going out of my mind until mm -hmm. I caught a fish. And then once oh, you, yeah. like you said, once you see that, okay, <laughs> I get this, I see what's going to happen. Then, uh, then you can hone in on it, slow down, and 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 be confident in it. But it probably for somebody like me, it probably would take a second for that to happen. Because oh, I'd be wanting to just it churn does. and burn something. It does, and it does me the same way. I mean, I, I, it is tough, especially you know for for a guy that's that's guiding. You got to have a you know the client's got to have a lot of trust in you when they yeah. stand there for 15, 20 minutes without a bite and they're having to fish something that they've never fished before and they're fishing it super duper slow and they're wanting to catch fish and they're wanting to move and and i'm and i'm sitting there going just be patient i promise you just be patient and then finally when they get bit they you can almost see the light bulb on top of their head go off yeah it's like i get it now and i'm like yeah now you can catch fish that your friends can't that's the whole key to this trip is you got to learn how to do that and and they're like you know what it ain't about just catching fish and i said no it's about learning and if you learn to do something different, then you're just putting another tool in your toolbox. Man, you, uh, you well said. And that's one of the things that I tell people about booking trips with guys like yourself is, man, I mean, you're going to catch fish. You're going to have fun. You're going to make a friend, but you're going to get educated. You're going to be able to come home with a tactic, with new stuff that, that you didn't know before that you can take back out on the water. I would much rather anybody go. I, in fact, I tell people all the time, catching fish on the boat's a bonus. It, but I guarantee that I don't care if they've been fishing for 50 years, they'll learn something on the boat. You know, it could be a different knot or, or line diameter differences, sure. but they'll learn something. And you take that and that's something that you can pass to somebody else or that you can, you know, you can beat your friends with. Uh, you know, that's, and that's kind of like when I first started fishing the tour stuff and fishing the opens, when I went up north, I know I was going to get beat. I took tactics. I learned fishing those big lakes up north and brought them back down here. You know, it, the first time I did that, I went to Champlain and I came back to Gunnersville and I got my butt kicked to Champlain. I think I placed like a hundred and ninth 
And then when I came back, I won a tournament at Gunnersville just because I knew how to use a drift saw because we had 30 mile an hour winds. And I said, oh, that's no big deal. Let's go to the ledge. And my buddy was like, we can't go to the ledge. It's blowing 30. I'm like, I just left fishing this for three weeks. This is easy. Yeah, I know how to do this. And I pulled that drift sock out and he said, what in the world is that? I said, watch this. And I tossed it off the side of the boat and I stopped it. And the boat just started drifting. And I just pitched a jig off the side and just slow drifted and let the boat fish the bait. Same way they have to do up north. And we caught 26 pounds of fish. Good gracious. And, and did not have a single boat anywhere near us. And, he, you know, and that's in, you know, in June, July, you know, several years ago. And, you know, June and July on Gunnersville, you're going to have 100 boats on the ledge anywhere. And uh, he's like, I can't believe this. I said, yeah, all you got to do. I said, this is how they have to do it up north. So I just took that tool from getting, you know, beat down up there and brought it down here and won money doing it. There you go. Well, and it's just like I tell, just like with this podcast and we say on here, this is just a tool. I mean, it's a tool that you can use on your way to the lake. I mean, like if a guy's going to come up and fish Smith Lake or Gunnersville, I mean, you just fished it today and yesterday. And, and right. I mean, you're talking about what the fish are doing right now. And a man can listen to the podcast on his way to the lake and go, okay, that's a track tactic I've never tried. Or here's what the fish are doing. Or here's the depth that they're at. And uh, mm-hmm. I need to slow down a little. Whatever. So it's just another tool, like you say, man. So that's good stuff. Oh, yeah. If somebody wants to come and jump in the boat with you and uh, and learn some of this stuff, man. I know people are going to be interested to do it. Uh, how's the best way for them to get in touch with you? They can reach me on my cell phone. You can call or text me, either one, uh, area code 205-706-2425. Or if you want to message me on my Facebook page, it's uh, Captain Chris Jackson dash professional angler um I've, i'm on facebook I, I check my messages pretty good uh, but my cell phone's definitely the best way to get me and you know if you call and leave a message if i don't answer because if i'm on a trip i usually don't pick my phone up but uh you can text me i always check my text messages so you can text me that way and, and get me pretty easy good stuff man we'll appreciate it and just uh stay safe out there and keep catching a man and we appreciate you calling in and look forward to talking to you again soon Man, can't wait. Thanks a lot. All right, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Take care. Yes, sir. Man, y'all call Chris, man. He's got a wealth of knowledge. And uh, just like all of our anglers that call in, whether it was, you know, Logan Martin and Lay with Joey or whether you want to catch Big Strike with Michael or, or go up to some of these lakes that we have, these great lakes, whether Smith or Gunnersville with, with Captain Chris, he hit it on the head. You go, you learn. You, you bring back what you've learned, new tactics, new new gear, new line diameter. I mean, you're always learning when you're fishing out there with these guys. So give them a call. And uh, sounds like now's a good time to fish. So get out of that deer stand and get back in the boat every now and then because the fishing ain't bad. It's pretty good. And that is going to wrap up the show for this week. So please subscribe, rate, and drop us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. And if you'd like us to email you the podcast, just text the word fishing to 646-495-9867. Again, just text the word fishing to 646-495-9867 
to subscribe to our email list and we'll send you the show each and every week. That's a wrap, guys. Good luck out there and we'll talk to you again soon. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And also brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. If you want to grow big fish or healthier fish or just get your lake in better shape, call Southeastern Pond Management. You can call Norman Latona at 205-288-1371 or just look them up, southeasternpondmanagement.com and and give Norman a call. And brought to you by You Do Outdoors. Check out You Do Outdoors on your app store, Google Play. It's a social media app for whatever you you do outdoors. This episode was brought to you by Brian Sand with National Land Realty. You already trust me with your fishing report, so trust me to help you find or sell that next piece of property as well. Just give me a call at 601-383-2344.